by popular demand. Place to be Nation Wrestling returns to the Dirty South for talking WCW. An episodic wrestler showcase designed to educate, evaluate, and entertain. With matches spanning the intimate stage of Techwood Studios to the heights of Space Mountain, talking WCW presents the best worst and most surreal offerings from world championship wrestling so cast your gaze to the turner tron with hosts jennifer smith tim capel and greg phillips hi welcome to talking wcw my name is jennifer smith and i am here with the uh, randy savage to my sherry Tim, oh wow! How are you, Tim? Uh, pretty good. I, I was kind of hoping I would be the uh, the Bonnie steamboat to your Ricky steamboat. Eh, they're and... boring as fuck, man. <laughs> Come on, you gotta love it. And I guess that Bonnie was... steamboat. I I will volunteer for that that rare pleasure, um, which I guess be... would make our our third man. Uh, you, you hear him already, uh, Greg Phillips. Are you? Of Richie Steamboat is is that the Richie. is that the product of their loins as Mr. Man would product, say? Yes, the product of my semen. Uh, yes. <laughs> who became who became a wrestler at one point and then wasn't? Right, right. What, what a dignified he, way to start this podcast about as usual. Yeah, <laughs> eternal welcome back. Steamboat. Yeah, a welcome back to to us. And a welcome back to the listeners. We hope we have some returning listeners. If not, that's understandable. Um, welcome if, if you're hearing this for the first time, which may be all of you. And that's okay, because uh, we're talking Ricky Steamboat, as you may have gathered on this episode of Talking WCW. And around um, we'll get to him eventually after we talk about all the other stuff we talk about. Well, exactly. that's how we do it here. Whose pick was this? I want to say this was my pick. Like I honestly can't remember. Yeah, might be an impossible question to answer. I'm pretty sure it was not mine. So, uh, in any case, um, we'll get into it. We'll get right into it, right? Uh, Ricky Steamboat, real name Richard Blood, right? Dick Blood. Dick Blood. Dick Blood. Yes, yeah. great name. Uh, fantastic name. A name he originally started wrestling under... Uh, until being told, you know, that's really, it's a great name, but it's a great name for a heel. And, buddy, you can't work heel. Um, and I, I think truer words were never spoken. Got his start in 1976 in the old AWA, trained by Vern Gagne and the Iron Sheik, all people. Uh, <laughs> did not last long there before making his way to championship wrestling from Florida, uh, had about a two-year stint, one to two-year stint there, it seems like, before winding up with uh, Jim Crockett Promotions. And that was from his first run there, was from 77 to 85, which is going to include our first match pick. That's right, the show where we talk matches. And the match chosen was by you, I believe, uh, Greg Phillips. This was from... Stockhead, 1984, uh, the Million Dollar Challenge, right? 
Although this yeah. match was not for a million dollars, it was for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> this was this was ten percent the value what? of the. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, the the World's Television Championship, ten percent the value of of the uh, the NWA um, Heavyweight Championship, I, I guess, because each man we're told has put up ten thousand dollars going into this match. Uh, this was, by the way, from November twenty second, nineteen eighty four. Uh, and it's Ricky Steamboat challenging the world's television champion, Tully Blanchard. Uh, there is a no-run rule as part of the stipulations here. No disqualification. Um, so if Tully Blanchard you know, tries to uh, uh, just basically get a count out, he's going to, I gather, lose this championship. Yes, he cannot retain the championship on a count out. Right, very good. All right, well... Greg, why don't you take it away? Well, this matchup, uh, of course, comes to us from uh, from from Starcade, uh, uh, biggest show of the year in those days, closed circuit TV, huge event, Dusty and Flair in the main event, but only the second Starcade, also correct, Amundo, mm. and and this would also be Ricky Steamboat's last Starcade until many years later. And uh, he would he would be leaving. He would actually have the the distinction of competing at Starcade '84, and just a few months later, competing at WrestleMania One. Mm, so, uh, he may be the only competitor to have done that. Actually, um, I'd have to look that up. But yes, um, I, <clears throat> Piper Piper has that thing reworked the first Starcade. But I, yeah, then I guess Russell, he worked the first arcade and the first WrestleMania, but they, they were not, they were more than a year apart, right? So, mm-hmm. so that first WrestleMania, right. 85, right. yeah, so not, not to say it's not an important distinction, but it's not like they had, um, WrestleMania at that time. But yeah, this is where, um, coming off of this Starcade, you would get in the following year that first, uh, WrestleMania. So yeah, pretty, pretty cool. And big deal there. Nice allocate, as Lex Luger would say. <laughs> uh, after grunting. Um, mm. the, uh, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, um, yeah, so, so this is a, a, a coming off the heels of an angle that is, that is shown in a video package right before this matchup in which you see, uh, I believe, Black Bart and, um, Outlaw or Cowboy, as he's known there, Ron. There were a lot of wrestlers known as Cowboy. Cowboy right. Ron Bass, who was one of the many Cowboys in wrestling, and J.J. Dillon and Tully Blanchard wearing wearing an old Western duster for some reason, uh, kicking away and stomping away at Ricky Steamboat, damaging his ribs. The story of the match going in is that they 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 were scared of Steamboat, so they 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 damaged, possibly broke his ribs on television with a with a brutal attack and. Let me just say this. I don't know what your mileage is on David Crockett, but some days I, I, I'm good on David Crockett. For some reason, his commentary just annoyed the hell out of me in this little video package. Okay. Oh, they're stomping him! They're stomping him! Oh, look at that! Look at that! Look at that! Oh, come on! Those those pointed cowboy boots! Those pointed cowboy boots! Oh, they're kicking him! They can't help it. He kicked yeah. me right in the face! Oh, God! Okay, <laughs> sir. David Crockett ain't never said taint, sir. Well, it's well, it hurts, did, but though. yeah, the. the <laughs> but uh, so anyway, they 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 hurt him, and also they they tell the story in the pre-match promo 
that uh, basically they've been they've been going around the horn. They've been they've been traveling all over the territory, wrestling in in various uh, various television title matches, and every time Blanchard keeps lasting until the time limit. Like Steamboat dominates him but he can't get the win over Blanchard and Steamboat thinks that's why Blanchard went after his ribs because he knew he knew in his heart of hearts that he can't beat the dragon uh, within the the legal time limit so when this match starts uh it starts off pretty aggressive uh both of these guys obviously great talents Steamboat one of the greatest baby faces of all time Tully one of the best heels of all time and uh it starts out really, really aggressive with with Steamboat coming after him with strikes uh, instead of the usual lockup that starts most matches. And they're not doing arm drags right here. They're 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 going after each other and and yeah, pretty they soon be clubbering. that they be clubbering, baby. And uh, and then eventually Tully takes over and the heat portion uh, is about working those ribs. And one of the things I liked about this match for a long time, I should probably mention the reason I picked this match, which is. Uh, back in the early 2000s, when the primary way to watch old wrestling was to download videos from LimeWire or um, various other sundry... Never heard of it. There's no way I've ever done that. What? Sundry sites. Uh, and, and one of the matches I downloaded on one of those sites, either LimeWire or what was one of the other prominent download sites in those days? If, if That you may have read about, certainly not used. Um, well, I've definitely... <laughs> I've definitely used the Kazaa to look Kazaa, for, for sure. um, yes, Kazaa yeah. to to look for wrestling that what is was not otherwise commercially available. We'll say, and um, let's say I didn't find that. I, I found something else, and um, <laughs> that that wound up going in an altogether altogether different folder. I mean, yes, you would have to. Right, it, it, right. Became, it became yeah. a. Gen- Separate your folders from your from your downloads. You may try. I to still break. labeled that folder Crispin Wine Japan, but <laughs> spoiler spoiler, that's not what that's not what the contents of that folder. No, no, uh, actually contained. Um, those sites were know. often uh, expo- exposure to many many different styles, shall we say? Uh, uh, yeah, many different genres and styles, and <clears throat> um. You know, to suit many different tastes. I mean, even if it's not what you thought you were looking for, it's not exactly. to say it wouldn't scratch a different itch on a different day, perhaps. That, you know, that, as long as it wasn't a virus. I mean, come on, who are no, you to complain? No, absolutely not. The fact that you're, that my computer would stop working uh, just a day or two after downloading these files would was unrelated, largely, yeah. uh, as far <laughs> as sure. I was concerned, anyway. Coincidental. But yes, yeah, so this match was one that I that I did download that actually worked. And, uh, and and it really stood out to me at the time because uh, of the deliberate pace, shall we say, but but done mm-hmm. in a way that is uh, it didn't for whatever, it didn't bore me. Like they were telling a story mm-hmm. with, and Tully's in particular, I love Tully's punches. Like yeah. oh yeah, Tully is re- really working on. He knows the weak point of Steamboat. He he knows the steamboat's uh, midsection is his weakness, where his ribs are, and Tully is really just laying in those punches. He's not throwing open hand slaps to the stomach or soft little little pats on the on the midsection. He's punching him right in the side of the ribs, and uh, you can hear the impact with those taped fists that he had, which I thought was another great great touch uh, that Tully had. And um, and so you know, steamboat's obviously fighting back, but he, it's hard to fight when your ribs are out. And so he's he's gasping for breath and he's trying to trying to create a little bit of distance 
and get his breath back uh, and Tully's staying on him and stays staying aggressive. And then when the time comes and that, that shift happens and that, that comeback starts for Steamboat, it is, it's big time. And Steamboat mm. is tearing into him. Chops all over the ring, uh, chops to the head, chops to the chest, uh, uh, body slams, uh, the suplexes, suplays even, mm. you might say. He, he, uh, hits him with some of those, those sweet Ricky Steamboat high spots, you know, the double leapfrog, which is always going to get a pop every time uh, when he does the, the two straight mm-hmm. leapfrogs and then the chop. I th- Actually, I think he does two straight leapfrogs and then ends this one with a power slam. And, yeah, that was uh, awesome. Yeah, phenomenal. And the one of the keys, one of the key points of the match that I thought was awesome is uh, Tully has been beaten up for a little bit and he gets up and he spits in Steamboat's face. To, yeah. To and the the natural thing will be you'd think well Steamboat's gonna go right up to him and like slap him in the face, but they're but Tully's still alert at this point, so they 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 grapple instead. And Steamboat does some big moves to him, and then it they go back to it maybe three minutes later, two to three minutes later, and Steamboat just gets him up and out of nowhere, just spits a loogie right That's, in Tully's face, mm. and the crowd just goes nuts. And uh, Tully even hit or Steamboat even hits Tully with his own finishing hold the. Uh, the slingshot suplex to get a nice mm-hmm. near fall. That was one thing I also always loved mm. about this match is it built and built and built uh, in a way that, you know, we're used to seeing, we're used to seeing matches kind of start fast, then fade, then, then get fast. And this one just steadily built and escalated to the point where when they started going to all those near falls, I was buying on a lot of them. Even now, like I couldn't remember what the finish was. It had been so long since I've seen the match. And so I was. I bought that slingshot suplex as the finish. I bought uh, several different uh, of these near falls that they did. Tully had one near the end where he had a. a he, he Tully gets on the apron and he's been busted open, and uh, he he pulls something out of his trunks and he takes the wild swing from the apron and Steamboat ducks it and tries to back suplex him into the ring and Tully nails him with the brass knuckles. Well, this is a classic. Uh, Crockett heel finish. Flair's done it mm-hmm. many times. Yep. And and Tully lands on top, and I'm thinking, well, that's that's it. It's over. And he covers, and Steamboat kicks out. And I said, whoa. Yes! <laughs> yep. The crowd's into it. And and then Tully picks him up and gives him another big bump and, and covers again, and Steamboat kicks out again. And I'm like, oh, my God. Steamboat's going to pull this out. He's actually, I'm actually getting in. Uh, he's going to pull this match out. I didn't remember it. And uh, and I remember they said it was a 60-minute time limit. So I was like, we're not going to have to worry about the time limit expiring. So, uh, But then when you least expect it, here goes uh, Steamboat, goes for the sunset flip, and the referee, Tommy Young, gets down to check his shoulders to make sure they're not on the mat. Tully uses that distraction to reach into his trunks, pull out the mysterious object, bash Steamboat real quick in the head, knock him out, and pin him. One, two, three. And uh, beautiful match. Beautiful match, in my opinion. Told a great story. Tully's a, the ultimate shit heel who had, still had to resort to illegal means twice to defeat a guy that had broken ribs going into the match. So Steamboat didn't mm. look bad. Uh, Tully came out looking great. Um, the atmosphere of this match. I don't know what it is about these early early to mid-80s Crockett shows. They have such a cool atmosphere to me. The way they're yeah. shot. The way that the crowd is mic'd. This this crowd, you can hear them so so vividly in their reactions to the match and um, uh, the, the the impact on the mat. There was a funny yeah. point uh, during the match I wanted to call out. Tully, I think Tully was having a little bit of trouble with his blade at one point. 
because he's he does he, he takes a bump on the mat and he stays with his head and his hands on the mat and Steamboat tries to pick him up and Tully almost shrugs him off for a minute and stays down there. Right. But uh, I give him a second. <laughs> yeah, give me a minute here, buddy. But but no, I I I don't know what you guys thought. I know it's a, a little more deliberate match than 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 uh, maybe some of his more classic matches. But I really appreciated it. I, I am a huge unabashed mark of Tully Blanchard matches in general, and I think Steamboat, of course, is is such a such an amazing underdog babyface. Uh, I really I really like this, even though it is a little jarring for me to see Steamboat in trunks instead of long tights. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've been watching so much modern wrestling lately that when I put this on, it was a little bit like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> NWA on the ring, and it's dark like I like. You know, mm-hmm. nobody's lit up around the ring. Like Greg said, it's cool vibe uh, and yeah. sound to it. And I was curious what the line was going to be, because I know Tully is a, a massive heel, and I know Steamboat is a massive babyface. I wondered what the line was going to be in this match for Steamboat after watching the video package, right? Because he should be pretty fucking pissed off um, about his rib injury and getting jumped like that. And then they started out with so much heat that I was glad for that. So I was like, okay, it looks like Steamboat's going to go a little lower, you know, and, and kind of go down into Tully's range, um, and which he kind of did with the spitting spots um, and using his uh, on-move against him, that slingshot move, that slingshot suplex. So just really cool um, build, like Greg said, to this match. I enjoyed this sort of falling into the story of the match. It's not It's not always automatic that you do that, but for this match, it just absolutely every beat was right, and uh, had that level of just fire—not hate, but just like disdain on mm. Steamboat's part. And Holly just eventually was like, "I'm not going to beat this guy. Like I've been beating the shit out of his ribs, and he's kicking out. <laughs> he kicks out mm-hmm. when I gig him. Like what the hell?" So I knew there was going to be some fuckery at the end. There was no way Steamboat was um, going to be taken out other than fuckery. Um, but I really liked that finish at the end. Uh, that was really great. Um, some of the things that made me laugh, um, Gordon says there's no kidney pads in this match. I'm like, the fuck is a kidney pad, Gordon? Nobody wears those. Anyway, I've never seen um, a wrestler wear a kidney pad in my life. Hey, I think I think DDP DDP in 1997 will dispute that. Oh well, ass ribs, yeah. That's true. You got me. I just thought that was just to hold the ribs in place, not to protect his kidneys. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They, they, they did this whole. The they yeah they they did this whole thing where it's like, well, you think his ribs are injured, but actually the ribs are fine now. It's for his kidneys. I don't know what I don't know if that was like a Larry's Abisco thing or but anyway, um Yeah, there was definitely like a, a weird angle where they, they said, Well, you know, he he's healed from the rib injury, but now he's gotta worry about his kidney and it was just like, All right, guys, you're you're doing the most here. Oh but the mauler <laughs> Yes. Sorry, Jenny. Uh no, no, but no. yeah, no no kidney pack in this in this match. Yeah, sadly not. But Gordon is just so, oh, God. He's just, I know. 
Well, he was probably like yeah. four vodka sodas in at this point. Okay. So, I mean, okay. Yeah, I, I happened to watch a little bit of, of the – actually watched a lot of the Starcade 84 show before this match. Kind of had it on because I wasn't sure at what part in the card this match came. And there was one match earlier in the show where <laughs> Gordon didn't know who actually won the match. Yeah, that's right. I saw that. Like, well, we'll have to get the official word from yeah, the, the, the ring announcer got referee it wrong. Sonny Fargo. Yeah, he's like the ring announcer said that uh, Denny Brown got the win, but uh, Mike Davis got the win, and then Bob Cobb's like, "That's right, that's right, Denny Brown got the win." <laughs> but they have such a cool setup, like the way that the ring is in the background when it cuts to them, like. I don't know. Yes. It's really cool uh, on TV. I don't know. I, I I enjoyed this a lot. It was like it it was like coming home to talking WCW. Like it was just what I wanted to watch. And um, I thought Steamboat was really he had this nice edge to him that I liked. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in this match, and not as as like sweet and wholesome as he kind of mm. can tend to wrestle. Yeah, th- this wasn't Family Man Steamboat. No, 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 certainly not yet. Anyway, um, I I agree with both of you. Um, and, and to your point, Jenny, I I definitely felt the same way watching this um, old wrestling match. And yeah. I was reminded of, uh, you know, the first time I saw this match was uh, probably about six years ago when I actually sat down and watched all of the Starcades in chronological order. Um, so we're not too many years removed from me seeing this for the first time. I think I revisited this match for the, uh, the greatest, uh, WCW match of all time, Place Me Nation Stretch Project, um, just, what, last, no, two years ago, um, and that's, that's what really, that project is what really made me fall in love with you know, pre-WCW 80s Jim Crockett promotions. Just watching awesome match after awesome match that shocks the hell out of you because I feel like you were sort of saying it without saying it, Greg, when you were like, you know, for a 1984 uh, match, this, uh, it was like, it was like you're trying not to say, this doesn't suck, believe it or not. (laughs) Because (laughs) let's be honest, you know, Early 80s wrestling is is not to all taste. It's not necessarily even in our wheelhouse. But when it's good, it's real good. And that's what this was to good, me. Like, wait, and it, it's good in ways that, that modern matches often aren't. Like, right. I yeah. love modern wrestling, but, like, you don't see a lot of matches like this anymore. And and you see them occasionally. But, like, there is, mm-hmm. it's, there's, there's something about it. I don't want to say realism, but it, but there's more of an immersion in the – illusion that you're watching something real if that makes sense like yeah, there's, oh, yeah definitely it feels visceral it feels like these guys don't like each other it feels like they're trying importantly it feels like they're trying to win a match and, and there's just that grit to it you know that yep. as you said the way just the the uh camera work the way that everything is mic'd up even the snap of the ropes just sounds mm. so different um Everything's so much more impactful. Um, big emphasis on storytelling over big spots, but at the same time still has modern-day flourishes. So 
you get towards the end of this match and you get some pretty big, I would imagine for at the time, you know, false finishes basically where you think, well, that's gotta be it. That was something that never happened in like early eighties wrestling, right? Where a guy gets hit with a foreign object and then kicks out. I mean, it's something mm, that's right. kind of become a cliche yep. today and we still sort of pop for it. Right. Cause it's cool. It subverts your expectations mm-hmm. It, it, you know, keeps a, a match that you're already invested in going and you're, you're happy to see that. But to see it in 1984, it's like, holy shit. Um, and it really just enhances that story of what does Tully Blanchard have to do to beat this guy, uh, broken ribs and all, um, which is, you know, a, a, another just awesome, uh, piece of storytelling going into this. Um, I will say I watched the pre-match promos, um, which Ricky Steamboat has when he kind of uh, look. Mm. He kind of catches. <laughs> hey, I was going to bring this up. I, didn't, I, 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 I was going to wait to bring this up, but I'm glad you mentioned. It. And feel free to jump in because he kind of cuts his his usual terrible baby face um, promo, and he does this thing where he like explains exactly how he's injured what's injured and um to the point of like when i at a certain angle it's okay but if i stand (laughs) on my left leg and i tilt my head back 35 degrees (laughs) i get a pain in my right groin and my left kidney if i stretch my 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 left arm 90 90 degrees uh and then lower to to the 45 degree angle my floating ribs uh, really remind me that uh, i'm not 100 percent, and it's just like He's really giving away the game. Yes, with too much. It's too it's much. So, just if, Tully Blanchard, if Tully Blanchard kicks me here or here, not so much here, but if he kicks me here, here or exactly. here, I don't have a chance in hell of winning this match. <laughs> I was dying. I was oh, dying watching it. That was so great. And then at the end, I love how he tries to, he tries to like patch it over by going, well, I hope, you know, Tully Blanchard isn't listening too closely here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, come on, man. Uh, this is just being broadcast late. to the audiences. We're live, pal. <laughs> it's uh, a little late for that. Um, uh, that's great. Now, meanwhile... And then in the ring, he goes right for that shit. You know, course, he goes yeah. directly for those slots. Yeah. So like, which is great, because even if you, if, if you haven't watched the TV going into this match, you haven't seen the angle prior to just this match itself... The match gives you everything you need to know. Uh, That's how well constructed and well told the story is in Ring. Um, and yeah, it's definitely enhanced by the, the pre-match uh, interviews, um, which, by the way, uh, James J. Dillon and Tully Blanchard, um, they're pretty awesome in, yes. in their follow-up yeah. to Ricky Steamboat. Um, I mean, <laughs> Tully <laughs> is basically calling... Steamboat, a big fucking pussy, who is making excuses for losing this match before the bell is even rung, right? Now he's going on and on about how injured he is. It's like, well, clearly he knows he's not going to win this. And and he's setting everyone up for that disappointment. Already coming with the excuses. Um, he's, a classic, he's a classic heel because he's yeah. got a point. He's got a point buried underneath mm-hmm. it. Obviously, he's delusional, but like he keeps saying, it's not my fault that Ricky Steamboat can't beat me in the legal time limit. I've wrestled yep. him all over the country, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. He can't beat me in that time. That's his fault, not mine. 
and, and this is a, a and uh, Dylan emphasizes the injustice that that's been foisted upon them by forcing uh, his his client Tully Blanchard to compete to compete under these conditions where you know he's got the the no run rule they're putting up money no disqualification like basically stacking the deck here against this heel who's done nothing but honorably defend the world's television championship right he's not a guy that would cheat never oh never and uh yeah and it, it just sets you up for when he can't beat steamboat now how does he look he's it's like oh i said so much now i can't beat this guy mm-hmm. and who better to take a tremendous shit kicking than tully blanchard he's while his punches are so good, his offense is is so crisp. Seeing that guy get his ass beat is is just a thing of beauty. I, you know, what, you know just, what I love. It's yeah. such an old school thing. It used to be commonplace among heels, but it, it's something so small it got a pop out of me. The the beg off, putting mm-hmm. the left hand mm-hmm. up and just yep. backing away from Steamboat and like leaning through the ropes and stuff. Like he didn't stand that there. Was great. And dare and dare Steamboat to chop him, you know. <laughs> like, I'm like, right? Yeah, he's, he's a big pussy, and 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 he's playing that. And it was, I it totally. The more I watch of him, because it was he was a star really before my time of like, I remember Tully in the WWF when I was a kid, yeah. but I didn't really start to appreciate him until I was an adult. And the more I watch of his stuff, the the higher he climbs on my list of all time favorite wrestlers. He's so good. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the the spot also that both of you mentioned with um, Ricky hitting the slingshot suplex on Tully, I mean, 80s heels, if they even had like a signature finishing move, like basically never got to do it, except in like a jobber squash match, right? Mm. They never really got to use their finisher, even when they went over, because they didn't win clean. That wasn't the way that heels won back then. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, you protect the move. You don't let them do it because they can't win with it against a, a real opponent. But <laughs> Ricky Steamboat can do it. And I always think that's the ultimate fuck you when one guy <laughs> does his opponent's finisher to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tully can't even use his own move in the match. Uh, but Ricky gives it to him. Just that, that extra little bit of indignation here. Um, there's just so many... So many of the small things here make this match stand out as a great, and it's not even a long match, right? This is in no way, shape, or form an epic. It's only like 13, I think it's under 15 minutes, right? It is, yeah. Um, and, he, and again, you get that false finish sequence where it, it looks like um, Ricky might actually pull it out here. He gets those few hope spots. Um, and I want to ask you guys, uh, because... Let's face it, these shows from the early 80s aren't exactly preserved in the most pristine, high definition. So, mm-hmm. uh, the mysterious object uh, that Tully <laughs> repeatedly strikes Ricky Steamboat with, I don't know that I actually saw anything. Was this a, uh, was this a, a Memphis um, invisible <laughs> gimmicked uh, uh, right hand where they would get... So much mileage out of uh, teasing, like a brass knuckles or, or some kind of foreign object, right? That didn't even really exist. It would just you would tease that you're going to hit a guy with something, and you know as long as you don't actually show it, you can tease it and work it and, and people make the crowd it. go nuts. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think you're right. I think you're on to something. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe somebody has a photo of the match that proves otherwise. But 
I mm. believe this was the classic Memphis phantom object. And the what was phantom object, about yeah. is is the, uh, the the pantomime is so good that everybody in that crowd knew what was happening, and everybody watched. I mean, it. I bought it. Yeah, exactly. So they didn't have to show it to us. But yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I I'm pretty sure that Tully didn't actually have a a foreign object gimmick. In his, uh, some sort. I would agree. Yeah, I didn't see it, but you know, sometimes they're just real stealthy. So I was like, "That's a me issue. That's not a Tully issue." But you know, no, I'm not glad I'm not, I'm not oh, the yeah. only one who didn't see it. Right? It's, no, it's it, definitely it, not an issue. It's it's a yeah. that's just the art form, right? That's the, that's, yes, uh, exactly. That's that's like when you know that people are invested in what you're in what you're doing. Like if you can, and if you can pull that off and not make it look obvious that there's nothing in your hand, then you're pretty damn good at what you're doing. Sleight of hand exists in wrestling, too, and there's a strong example of it. Yeah, so this was great. I, I love that uh, although he technically gets the win here, um, Tully takes an absolute shit-kicking. Um, Steamboat shows a lot of fire. I love when he's on offense Don't and push. just... Unloads the the martial arts shots right the, mm-hmm. <laughs> just repeatedly um, until he just has no answer for any of it. Um, the the uh, the psychology and the match is so solid with Tully repeatedly going back to the ribs, the floating ribs, if you will. Um, but this this kind of has everything. It's it's in a lot of ways um, a perfect wrestling match. Just it's. You want to show someone like this is the art of wrestling here again, as I said, um, it's got a little bit of everything to it. So a uh, great pick, Greg. I love this. I love revisiting this time period. Just like you said, Jenny makes me, uh, makes me want to go back and, and watch some great, awesome eighties NWA action. Well, that's what we're here for. So, And, and a lot of, and, and as Gordon pointed out on commentary, you can see a lot of vicious, Chops to the pectoris major. <laughs> the pectoris right. major. Oof. Wow. Tully's a hell of a heel. Um, but I decided to, just, to pick another great, great heel. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, man. For my sure did. Yeah, and I didn't watch it before I picked it. I, I just did it. I was like, there's no way this is going to be a bad pick. Going all. in blind. Because, Look at that. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I'm surprised. Oh, Surprised you picked it because of the finish, but that was the one thing I was like. But then I didn't hate it, so then it was fine. Got over it. Just a little. Um, anyway, I ended up with Steamboat versus Perry Funk from Clash of the Champions Seven, and that is from June Fourteenth in nineteen eighty nine. Bragg, North Carolina. Heavy, heavy military influence on the show. The, it could not look any more different than Starcade, and because it is bright as fuck. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of shirtless people in the crowd. What was up with that? I guess military. I think it was just. I think it was just that hot in the building. I doubt they even had AC. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, I heard that. Sh- that was the case yeah. with, um, like, when they would run the armory um, in DC. It would just be hot as balls. Just no central air, no circulation whatsoever. Well, now that you mention that, there is like a haze, like over the whole show. Ugh, yes, Imagine the smells. Oh my god, of uh, wrestling fans, sweating wrestling fans. Sweaty mm. military dudes. 
Sweaty military wrestling fans. Sweaty military wrestling fans. Did they do any pre-match promos and I missed it? Uh, I didn't watch them. I I, I don't know that I looked. um, I looked on the thing when I was fast-forwarding. I didn't see it, but I really wanted to hear Terry Funk say, Steamboat, you bastard. You and your wife. Your whore of a wife. Something like that. Your egg-sucking son. (laughs) I hope your children are bastards. Oh, my God. Uh, But, so, we do get family man, Steamboat, in this one. He's... Uh, comes out to kiss the fam and in his um, full uh, gimmick here in red and white, which is yeah. one of my favorite looks. Oh, it's him. a good look. And and he's yeah. not just Ricky the Dragon Steamboat here. He is, as JR reminds us constantly on commentary, the Steamer. The mm-hmm. Steamer. It's a terrible name. I don't know. I, I know. It's like, you know, that's, I, I, I leave Steamers all the time, but geez. That's right. <laughs> the beginning it gets weird because Nick Patrick and this dumbass try to like separate them and like they're rolling on the on the ropes and he's like <laughs> wanting to get in the middle they won't hurry to let them out like, get out of the way Nick Patrick um, and then they awkward just start. Yes. yeah very awkward and then they Nick just do a chop, chop fest and you know I I I have mostly seen Terry Funk in hardcore uh, wrestling matches, so I was like, you know, wondering if he was going to end up getting a chair or anything by the end of the season. Because he was pretty fired up. I mean, they both were. Oh, I did want to make note of the cool-ass Coors Light, um, like, kidney mm-hmm. pads on the posts. Um, yep. Kidney pads? That's... Yeah, it's, it's to protect the post kidneys. Yes, def- absolutely. Yes, thank you. Um, not the ribs, the kidneys. Um, exactly. Bring back sin sponsorships, right? I, you I'm know. not. I agree. Cigarettes. I want. I want. Um, fucking. Uh, you know, uh, Marlboro Marlboro to, to sponsor some Marlboro Reds to sponsor <laughs> some wrestling. I want Coors Light. I want. Bring back the the uh, adult consumption products. You're all yeah. fuck all this kitty shit. Old tobacco products. Yes. And, and all we some, get is like fucking Mountain Dew, pitch dark. Or Mountain Dew can get to fuck. You know, just which, which by don't say that too loudly because I've actually uh, re- received a sponsorship for Mountain Dew pitch black for my for my black Mazda six that I own. So I'm oh oh sorry. The Mountain Dew logos embroidered on it, and not embroidered. Yeah. I don't think you do that on a car, but nonetheless. I'm going to have, have it put onto the side of the car, whatever that word would be called, and then I'm going mm-hmm. to make a lot of money from Mountain Dew, or at least that's my plan that I haven't done yet. Right. All right. Well, I'll cut that part out of the recording. Soon. Yeah, we'll we just leave that out. We won't damage your sponsorship. That's a very important to me. I, I'm really counting on this new pitch black money. <laughs> so, Seaboat uh, kicks Funk right out of the ring, uh, and Funk answers by tossing Seaboat out, um, and then... Funk ends up smashed up against the railing uh, in a cool spot. Steamboat throws him back in the ring, gets a thick neck uh, breaker on Steamboat. Mm-hmm. A lot of the – he's not as focused as Tully was on the ribs, but he does try to work over the neck a little bit there in that in that little spot. Funk, I think, is a little bit too chaotic of a wrestler. Like, he doesn't have the focus of a Tully to sit there and work on 
Steamboat's neck. So he just sort of just sure. goes everywhere yeah. after that. Steamboat really just bumping around, ragdolling. They both are. They they are incredible. They're just a fucking master class in selling. The, the, um, pump, the, the, the bumps that, uh, that Terry Funk takes in the corner where he does, like, the Shawn Michaels, like, flip bump, but then he goes, like, yes. over tea kettle and falls head first to the floor. I was like, good God, man. How is he not, how is he not dead? I, I wondered if that was an accident or, <laughs> I'm like, what the hell, that's rough. But that, that's the genius. I mean, that's what he does. Steamboat climbs up onto the top rope and just stands there for a minute and, and Funk is sort of, I guess, trying to evade him, but also trying to stay in, in range of him. But eventually, mm-hmm. um, Steamboat decides to jump down on him. Uh, comes down hard on Funk and the cameraman that happened to be standing there. Uh, in a little bit of a funny and awkward spot. But then they start ramping it up. Um, Funk is a really big pile driver on Steamboat. who comes back with his monster chops. And then Nick Patrick decides he wants to get in the match again. So he takes a bump. While he's laying around, Funk tosses Steamboat out and hits the pile driver on the floor, the running pile driver on the oh, floor. And yeah. that was, that was nice. We didn't get a good shot of it, but I could see what it does look pretty good. Yeah. Uh, suplexes Steamboat back in the ring. Um, just all these big power moves. And, um, it gets a two, count, and then another close two count. Can't really put Steamboat down, which is a hallmark of a Steamboat match for me. Buck goes up top, but Steamboat gets his knees up right at a perfect spot um, to a huge spot, a huge pop from the crowd. Steamboat dumps Funk over onto the broadcast table for a minute. Um, and it's a little bit of an awkward spot, and then, you know, they're like, we don't know what to do. Like, he's on our table. He's on our yeah. table now. Quite frankly, uh, he just stepped <laughs> like on they, my uh, notes. <laughs> well, like my they've format, never actually. seen a wrestler before. <laughs> like, it was weird. Um, well, frankly, some might say that, 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 that it's not right to step on an announcer's notes when that's what he's going <laughs> off of for the show. But then again, I'm not Terry Funk. I can't speak for Terry Funk. <laughs> Terry decides he's having enough of this fucking bullshit, and he takes his big red microphone off the table. Bump stick. With it. And oh, he, he laughed him too. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. Um, that that's the funk I know. Weapons. So not these like the guys power moves. Um, funk's is good. Gets DQ'd. So Steamboat wins. And it sounds like Jr. says Steamboat's been fertilized. But he really <laughs> says fertilized. Murder <laughs> I swear. The old singer's been fertilized. <laughs> been growing oh, in six to eight months. Oh, um, when he reaches the next trimester, for God's sake, what's going to happen? So the finish is Terry Funk is breeding Ricky Steamboat in the middle of the ring. <laughs> what an atrocity. It's not my favorite, but it is hardcore, so I will allow it. Um, and it, it just felt like there – I don't know if they have any matches again. I don't know if there's a rematch to this. It felt like they left a lot on the table. Yeah, I think it was a one-off, unfortunately. There was a lot left that, on the 
when Steamboat's 89 yeah. runs. He has yeah. that Luger match that we reviewed on a previous show at Great American Bash, and then that's it for him in the NWA. So, that well, was... to kind of, I guess, um, bring bring Luger in at the end of the match, Lex rounds in with a chair, chases Funk out. I mean, Funk just fucks out. He just leaves. And then, uh, and then, like, we get to listen to Lex talk, so that's always sucky. And he <laughs> says, he, he's too arrogant, Damn. and he's too cocky. And he helps Steamboat up, and then clotheslines the fuck out of him, gets the chair, hits him, then rocks his ass, leaves him laying there. I'm like, fuck! Poor Steamboat. Mm-hmm. Right in front of Bonnie, too. Right in front of Bonnie. I know, in front of his wife and child. What are we doing? After he got, first he got fertilized, then he got uh, clotheslined. I mean, Bonnie. He got fertilized, pasteurized, and homogenized all in the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now I, I just, I loved it. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, this was awesome. Like, I don't, th- I was going to say, you mentioned it earlier, but but I, I don't really think of Terry Funk as much of a chopper, but he was chopping oh. the holy hell out of Steamboat in this match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of the best chops I've seen. Those big yep. overhand chops, too, right? Like, Oh, yeah, the overhand and the knife edge, yep. Yeah, pretty sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, I, I, I am, I am such a fan of all the 89 funk stuff and frankly all the 89 steamboat stuff as well like those guys are just on a different level that year and uh and funk is just he's so fun to watch because he's perpetual motion he's never you never see terry funk just like not moving you never mm-hmm. see terry funk just like sitting there he, he's always doing something he's swinging like a drunk man and missing his opponent or he's you know, staggering outside the ring or he's throwing chairs or he's shaking the guardrails or he's, you know, he's going, he's going head over heels on a bump or he's, you know, putting the boots to somebody or throwing, you know, really rapid fire chops in the corner. He's just such a ball of energy in a match. It's so fun to watch. And then Steamboat, of course, the ultimate, the ultimate salesman. He's, he's just constantly selling his despair and his agony. And in this match, he gets a lot of the offense. He's, you know, that, that spot, I thought one of the coolest spots of the match is where he picks up Funk for the body slam outside the ring and carries him all the way around the ring and slams oh, him. Oh, yeah. Forgot mm-hmm. to mention that. That was awesome. Tremendous. There's another great visual where uh, Funk is on the ring apron and um, Steamboat just goes to, like, scoop slam him. And they don't really follow, the camera does not really follow Funk. You just see him kind of get dropped into this abyss. <laughs> and it, and I, I mean, I don't know how he landed, but it just made it look so brutal the way that um, Steamboat just manhandles him. Um, so some cool visuals in this match. I know that the camera work isn't necessarily one of, um, you know, Crockett slash WCW's, um, you know, finer production points, but... uh I guess it has its moments sometimes. Um, to your point, Greg, um, yes. <laughs> and w- whereas he is not the uh, focused, let's say, technician that Tully Blanchard is, um, I think the chaotic nature of a 1989 Terry Funk really adds to his appeal, where he's he's just nice. such a loose cannon, you don't know what he's going to do next. Never boring watching a, an 89 Funk match. Um, even if he is a little unfocused, shall we say, um, he is dialed into his shit here in 1989. I mean, like like none other. 
Um, I've always really dug this match. I think it's a little bit of a forgotten match. Uh, it comes on the heels of that great angle at Great American Bash 89, where Flair had just re-won uh, the, champ- the World Heavyweight Championship from Ricky Steamboat. Should be like this big crowning moment for him, but is interrupted by Terry Funk, who kind of gives him the business. And Flair is, you know, rather dismissive of Funk, says he's been out of the game for a little too long. Funk takes exception to that, and of course we get the great pile driver on the table. That puts uh, Flair out. He is convalescing at this point. So, uh, really hey, logical. Because you broke right my neck. <laughs> Thank you, Rick, for clarifying. So it's a perfect like placeholder sort of match where you're you can't do you know the big uh blow off yet between Flair and Funk, right? Um we're not there. Uh it, and so and I'm sorry, that was not at Great American Bash eighty nine. That was at what? Uh that's the worst. Sh- I no, that was that uh, was eighty nine. Yes, thank you. Um, we would get the actual match between Flair and Funk at Great American Bash 89. Excuse me, what, what many fans, what many WCW fans would consider the best match in WCW's history? I don't know. Some might say. Uh, but anyway, this is leading up to that match, coming off the, the neck injury angle. And it's just a placeholder. You know, you plug the guy in who just lost the title. He's kind of floating in the wind, but he's still in title contention. We're told he's, like, Ricky Steamboat is, like, number one in the rankings. Lex Luger is two. Um, The only thing that sort of bothers me here is that I feel like this should have been Funk's, like, legitimate path to challenging for the title, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't like that um, he loses this. I mean, they, they... you know, they, they keep they preserve his heat. Um, it's not like he it's not like he looks bad in defeat here. It's just a DQ loss. But I feel like he should have gone over Ricky Steamboat so they could say, oh, huge upset. Here's this guy coming in to challenge from the outside who just beat our number one contender, right? And I'm not saying he has to beat Steamboat clean. You know, have him no, hit him with the microphone, him with and, but he gets the pin, you know? Um, or hit him with a chair. Come on, Jenny. You, you wanted to see that, that oh, wild... Yeah. Chair swinging Terry Funk, right? Fucking sure bludgeoning him with a chair, and and stupid ass Nick Patrick doesn't even, see it, and give, give Funk the win. I thought like, they had a just, chance at the match to have him win by countout when he did that pile driver on the outside. They had set up sure, him, yeah, as his finish. Do that, which, which puts over the pile driver even stronger, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. um, yeah, and that's the other thing. Like uh, Steamboat kicks out of the pile driver and ring. So I was a little, Hmm about that. Mm-hmm. But then we get the, <laughs> the running pile driver on the outside, which I don't know. It's a little bit goofy, but at the same time, like I can see it. I'm like, I don't know why more guys didn't use that. You know, you get the running power slam. Why not a running pile driver? Right? Like it just, even if really you're just stepping back a few feet, <laughs> As, as quickly it is a little agenda. funny looking. Yeah. It is a little funny looking, but I don't know. I sort of dug it and just a weird, it, it has Me that too. weird wrestling logic to it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Where it's like, well, if a move is that devastating on its own, you know, imagine standing you stationary, imagine hitting that while you're in motion, even if it's 
or gingerly or my, sort of running back. <laughs> or, 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 or my favorite wrestling logic of the Attitude Era. If that move hurts so bad normally, imagine what happens if the guy sits down with it. There you go. Yeah, sit out. Um, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, come on. Bring back the running pile driver. Let's get that going. Let's, yeah. Let's, I want to start that movement. Um, I, w- I so want anyway, Brock Lesnar to do it. Brock Lesnar is going to do the running pile drive, which, yep. I mean, come on. Why not? Anything he does is going to look just Fuck yeah. thick. Yes. Um, I also do love that uh, that really cool uh, Hangman's Noose neckbreaker that Funk uses. Oh, uh, that was good. That was good. is like a really cool setup for, for a pile driver, right? So I love that he was able to work that into the match. Um. But yeah, everything uh everything really clicks for me with this match really until the finish. I just again, um you can do that you can do everything they do here mechanically, but just put Terry Funk over. Like have him get the one, two, three, or Greg to your point, even a count out, I'm fine with. Something to tell us, holy shit, Terry Funk just beat the number one contender. Uh, Ric Flair might have something to worry about now, you know? I mean, I know they're going to do the match anyway, but come on. Let's let's give them a, a path here. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've always really dug this. I think it's a little bit forgotten, a little bit overlooked, but a super entertaining, super entertaining match that makes all the sense in the world to do, um, again, before you get to what everybody wants to see, which is Flair and Funk going at it. Mm-hmm. Um, not a bad consolation prize here in the form of Steamboat and Funk. And it's just too bad. They they don't do more between them because, you know, Steamboat's not going to stick around here throughout the remainder of 89. Yeah, that, that was picture. a drop ball on the part of the NWA or WCW, whatever you want to call them at that time, not keeping Steamboat happy and keeping him in the cup in the company in 89 because he had so many great matches left to have that year. And they could have, they really did a great job here of using him to uh, almost as a setup boss to, for Funk to get to Flair. And they mm-hmm. easily could have come back to Funk later in the year after the Flair feud was over, or they could have done uh Flair and Steamboat tag matches. They could have done uh Steamboat and Luger could have feuded for quite some time. There's a yeah. lot of them. And um, I think that's a, a real unfortunate part of Ricky's wrestling career is that sort of about two years that he lost kind of, and I think he went and worked all Japan in 1990 for most of that year, but, or possibly new Japan, but he, uh, he wasn't really seen on stateside television again until his brief and forgettable run in the WWF as the dragon, the dragon. That's right. Yep. So, all right. Well, after that, Brief and forgettable run as the dragon in the WWF. <laughs> uh, Ricky Steamboat is going to find his way back to World Championship Wrestling uh, in what 1991. Um, Number 91, yeah. and that'll produce um, just another great period in his. I mean, it's it's really the final stretch of his active in ring career. But um, we do get some really fine work from him in the early 90s in WCW. Um, so that brings us to the match that I ultimately picked. It is from WCW Saturday Night. This is from the October 16th, 
1992 edition. So I guess we're um, we're in the build for uh, the wheel make. Or, excuse me, yeah. 90, yeah, 93, sorry. Um, so, different spin the wheel make the deal where I guess we're <laughs> pushing uh, Cactus uh, Vader for that Halloween Havoc coming up. But in any event, I don't know why I wrote down 92. Um, but we've got... I bet mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sure did. I've got uh, Ricky Steamboat versus Vader. Now, this is for the World Heavyweight Championship here in the main event on Saturday night. Um, you guys, it's a human cage match. Human cage match, for God's sake. Human, you know what a human cage. cage matches. Well, um, let me tell you, I don't call it a lumberjack match. You, no, you no, may no, be I... inclined to call it. A, in fact, uh, Jesse, the, the body Ventura at one point says, I thought you called that a, a lumberjack match. And he's corrected by Tony Schiavone. He says, no, it's not what it's called. It's called a human cage match. <laughs> Fucking dumbass. Y'all, it took me too many minutes to figure out that there was not a difference between those two things. Because I'm like, how how are they making the cage? Like, yeah, I was going to think a bunch of guys, like, standing on each other's shoulders. That's exactly what I was (laughs) thinking. (laughs) And and they would do all the same wrestling spots where, like, they'd be be climbing on top of guys that are already, you know, set up with guys beneath them. And like banging each other. They bring Sid out and everything. I'm like, they're going to make a cage of Sid. And I'm like, it's going to be amazing. Wow. Now, interestingly enough, there, I feel like there is a way to make this work, which is, and I mean, I know WCW did not, mercifully, they did not do escape rules, um, cage (laughs) matches, because those are always (laughs) trash, garbage shit. Um, but if they did, and the object is to escape the cage in order to win, which is so stupid. Um, if I stress how much I hate that role anyway, um, perhaps the, the idea here is if you exit the ring, you, you win the match. So the idea of the human cage matches is, is the guys on the outside are going to prevent okay. uh, an opponent from, from actually exiting the ring and therefore winning the match. Right. Um, except that would be really stupid. So what we get instead, I'm just trying to make it work, you know, based on the terminology. Um, By the way, you talked about WCW would never do an escape rules cage match because those are doo-doo shit, which they are. But instead they do a lumberjack match, which is also always doo-doo shit. Which is always doo-doo shit as well. (laughs) They call it, but look, they call it a human cage match. So listen. It's it's a lumberjack match with really clever marketing. You have to you have to give them that. When you hear lumberjack match, you think, yeah, what are we the what the brawny man and Mister Clean are going to somehow like be involved? Like, what are we doing, Josh? But yeah, yeah, Big Josh and his dancing bears. Like, come on. Um, but if you hear cage match, you think, well, now that's wrestling. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But well, but no cage. Let's bring back human cage matches. Human cage, the human cage match must return, um, along with the running pile driver. Yeah, um, if only there were a way to combine. Yeah, I guess you could, right? Uh, You know, the only way to to win is by escape or by hitting a running pile driver. There you go. Um, (laughs) On the floor. These are Um, oddly specific rules, but all right, I'll sign up. Oddly specific. So they're basically. They're promoting a cage match on free TV 
uh, without it being false advertising, since there is no actual cage, is, is what they're managing to get away with here. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Now, this, I understand, is a rematch from the previous week, which uh, saw a DQ win for Ricky Steamboat. Uh, that involved a ton of interference. So a whole bunch of guys ran in. That's sort of the impetus here for doing this lumber, I mean, excuse me, a uh, human cage match now. Uh, so we've got the the humans <laughs> that are going to be in, in Ricky Steamboat's corner for this match. I counted as Sting, Davy Boy Smith, Dustin Rhodes, Arn Anderson, Diminishing returns now. Then the Shockmaster. Um, as you do. Uh, Vader's corner, on the other hand, is going to feature Harley Race, which makes sense. That's his manager. Uh, Sid Vicious. Wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Colonel Robert Parker in his uh, human jump rope as well. Uh, the team of Harlem Heat, uh, Max Payne. And the equalizer. The equalizer. <laughs> kind of uneven sides here. I, I know. Yeah. Um, although I guess, I guess Vader's side the does feature the heel human cage. Yeah. <laughs> Vader's side does oh, feature a few like managers. So I guess I don't know. Maybe that makes a difference. On commentary, um, uh, at one yeah. point, Jesse Ventura is making fun of this Shockmaster and says, "What kind of what?" What kind of human cage is that? The Shockmaster is liable to trip over himself and fall on everyone. And instead of arguing with him, Tony Schiavone, the, play, the babyface announcer, goes, well, you may be right there, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it seems like at this point in the show, Tony is just kind of rolling over um, for a lot of Jesse's stuff. He just doesn't have much of an answer for it. Uh the Shockmaster, though, is wearing a hard hat on this occasion. So if he does trip and fall, um, as his his wants in life, he he will not be injured, at least. Um, good lord! What was his gimmick at this point? Was he like a construction worker now? So I, yeah, so they walked back the whole cosmic stormtrooper thing. Whatever the original Shockmaster was supposed to be, I don't think we know. And now he's just kind of this, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess construction worker, because they're still calling him the shock master. He's not yet Uncle Fred, right? Oh, that's, that's what Uncle they're going to, they're going to settle on that later, but he's, he's doing the Uncle Fred gimmick, which is just kind of this burly guy dressed as a construction worker who wears a hard hat for some reason. I don't, you know. 1993 WCW. Meanwhile, Harlem Heat are dressed like the singers of the song "Hard Working Man," Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Now that I can oh, work I know what song they use now. That these these things just have a way of working themselves out, right? Sure does. Okay. Um, now the first thing I noticed going into this, which by the way, I have not seen a ton of uh, Ricky Steamboat Vader matches. Um, and I kind of want to get into that a little bit. Uh, I don't think of Ricky Steamboat as a small man. Um, you know, he stacks up comparable to guys like Sting and Ric Flair. But for some reason, like, he is dwarfed in size here by Vader, I feel mm-hmm. like. I don't know if Vader was especially huge at this time period or it's just a, again, I'm just not used to seeing them in the same ring together. But 
Um, I mean, Vader looks like an absolute monster compared to Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. So that's a really cool, sick visual right off the bat. Uh, and we start things off with Vader doing his usual, trying to impose his phys- physicality on Ricky Steamboat, threatening to wear him out up against the turnbuckle. But Steamboat, with his agility, cat-like agility, manages to escape. We get a standard collar and elbow tie-up tie off of that, but Vader manages to toss Steamboat between the ropes, and his guys go to work on the dragon, uh, but Steamboat's men, human cage, if you will, um, are in to make the save pretty quickly. But as soon as Steamboat re-enters the ring, Vader is back on him. He beats the absolute fucking brakes yep. off of Ricky Steamboat. I mean, stiff, right and left, body blows, um, right hooks, uppercuts. Just, it's, I mean, it's as bad as Sting ever got it from Vader. <laughs> Ricky Steamboat gets it here. Um, and then he just turfs, <laughs> turfs Steamboat again outside the ring. Um, vertical suplex back into the ring from the apron by Vader. Uh, then a lariat um, puts Steamboat over the top rope. At this point, however, Steamboat is sort of in his own corner, the, the sympathetic side of the ring, if you will, to Ricky Steamboat. And uh, that's going to go badly for Vader, who goes for a splash off the apron, wipes out across the barricade, um, and then he gets worked over by uh, by Steamboat's human cage. <laughs> I still can't get over the human cage terminology. Back in the ring, advantage goes Steamboat now, who capitalizes with some stiff kicks and stomps. Uh, but Vader looking quite vulnerable here. Harley Race tries to get involved, but a miscue leads to Vader just knocking him off the apron. Steamboat follows that up with a DDT to Vader uh, and a series of splashes. Then capitalizing with a top rope, well, more like middle rope DDT, uh, Shades of Sting Invader from Starcade 92. I remember that spot from that match. Invader is now reeling. Yep. Um, Steamboat now switching his game up with a figure four. Vader is able to make the ropes. Uh, Steamboat now working the chops, the signature chops, try, trying to bring the big man down. But Vader is firing right back with those punches. So we're getting a fisticuff exchange here. Um, Belly-to-back suplex from Steamboat on Vader. Looking mm. really impressive there. Mm. Uh, but only a two count. I think our first count of the match, actually. Um, but Vader right back with uh, those punches and a body slam. Comes off the top rope with that big body block. And it's Vader's turn to try for a submission. Uh, goes for this kind of seated abdominal stretch. Not sure exactly what you would call it there other than a rest hold because Vader needs to get a breather here. Uh, but Steamboat managed to escape. Vader's back on him with a cool-looking Samoa drop. That gets to Vader eats shit on a splash. Steamboat then goes up to the top rope, connects with his signature martial arts chop, and then flying body press. Now that looks to put Vader away. I mean, that's, that's how Steamboat usually beats his opponents here in this early 90s stretch. But uh, Vader manages to kick out with authority. So looking pretty impressive there. Uh, Steamboat rolls out to the ring apron, springboards back in with uh, another big chop. But uh, Vader headboats, headboats, headbutts Ricky, <laughs> cuts off a charge, Motor- leads to an exchange Motor- of strikes. 
and uh, Steamboat gets the better of, of that. So Steamboat still frosting the advantage here. Vader tries to take Steamboat down with a lariat, um, follows that up with a belly-to-back 4-2, another near fall here, uh, but Steamboat is firing up, refuses to stay down. Vader now goes into no-sell mode. He feels no pain! No pain. <laughs> Steamboat gets tossed to the and the human lumberjacks. And the human lumberjacks get to brawling amongst themselves. Get to brawling amongst themselves. Steamboat goes Steamboat for a sunset, sunset flip. Vader counters, Vader with, counters a with a butt splash. Uh, but Vader takes too long setting up for his Vader bomb, and uh, Steamboat gets the knees up to block that. Steamboat comes off the top rope with a double stomp. That's a movie you don't see very much in, in 1993. Um, crossbody then. Sends both men over the top rope. Dragon is the first to re-enter the ring, but this is an awesome spot. Sid Vicious sneaks in mm. while the referee is trying to reassert control on the outside. Huge power bomb on Ricky Steamboat. Just power bombs him to oblivion. Uh, splash from Vader. It's academic at that point. Giving the van they call Vader the cleanish sort of win, albeit with interference from his fellow master of the power bomb. Real gutsy performance here by Ricky Steamboat. I think that's been the theme of our of our match selections here tonight. Um, is that Ricky is at his best when he's when he's fighting from behind, right? Um, when he's having he's at a disadvantage of some sort, um, and he has to just dig down the opponent and give it to his opponent. And he was not rattled at all here by Vader's size or that stiff offense. Um, so we think of Sting as being a great Vader opponent. I don't know. I think I would have loved to see more of Steamboat and Vader go at it. Um, not too much bullshit here either from the lumberjack. I mean, human cages. Um, they, they pretty much uh, are there to serve their role. Um, but they don't overdo it. They don't overplay their hand with that. And uh, I just uh, can't emphasize enough that sweet finish with um, Sid Vicious getting involved there with the powerbomb. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as much as I enjoyed this match, um, I would have loved to see them have, like, a, a proper pay-per-view outing. And, spoiler alert, by the way, um, they have a rematch uh, on... The uh, February 26th, 1994 WCW Saturday Night. It's actually the last WCW Saturday Night that's currently available on um, Peacock, the network on Peacock, chronologically. Had I not already kind of chosen this match, I think I would have gone with that one because holy shit. Um, do yourself a favor. If you enjoyed this match, watch that as a follow-up because... It is an all-out brawl, um, and you will see a side of Ricky Steamboat that you are not used to seeing. That's all I'll say. I don't want to mm. spoil it too much. So if you dug this and want more Steamboat Vader action, um, go check out the what I would consider the sequel to this, that February 26, 94 uh, rematch, because it is an absolute barn burner. Talk about a hidden gem. Um, that is going to be my suggestion for, um, you know, honorable mentions. More than honorable. Again, had I watched these back to back and not just pulled the trigger on this one before watching that that match, I would have gone with that second match. Um, well, really, oh, third nice. between I'm these two. To pull it up. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and watch the match before this, too, the, the week before on Saturday night that, that sets this up. That, that little mini-TV feud. Mini-TV feud. Yeah, I, uh, I really – I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. I've seen the, uh, the match they had before the Human Cage match. The one that set up the human cage match. And that's the one that I'd seen before this. And, and I was, mm-hmm. I always were thinking that like it, it, it felt like a style clash because Vader had this like really, well, you know how Vader is. Vader likes to beat the shit out of people like legitimately. <laughs> and, and Steamboat has this just great working style. And, uh, it felt like they, 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 they kind of didn't mesh very well. And then in, in this one, it felt like it was a little bit better than that one. Um, in terms of, because I mean, gosh, Vader just hits him so hard, and uh, and Steamboat sells so beautifully in this mm-hmm. match. And uh, uh, you know, I think what hurts this one is the atmosphere because the crowd. Feel, I, I I didn't quite understand what was going on with the crowd. Like they would get really into it, and then they just like die for minutes on end, and then they mm-hmm. get really into it, and then it's like I, I was like, you know, he gives the heat in there because it looked just so uncomfortable. It did look pretty miserable in, in the building. But and, and I always I, think stuff like that is a taping cycle thing too with these Saturday oh. night shows because I don't know how many they would tape in advance. I mean, but WCW was infamous for that, right? In the early nineties, so it's this stuff. what uh, center stage is this center stage or this is probably <laughs> Techwood Studios at this point? Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, probably and, Techwood. They've been sitting there for like three hours already by the time they get to this, and it's like, all right. Come on, it, it was wrapped up. It was uh, it was a, a, a hell of a physical match, and and I really want to see the, the follow up to it. Um, but yes, uh, I don't know. There were times when it felt like it would kind of, the momentum would kind of end out of nowhere. Like I feel like Vader cut him off a lot in this match when it mm-hmm. felt like you know the action would start going. And I think there's a reason for that because I was going to point out you hit on something earlier, Tim, when you talked about Vader needing a rest. And when you talked about you didn't know if Vader was maybe a little bigger at this point, I picked up on that, too, because it did feel like Vader was having a harder time than we're used to seeing him in terms of scaling the ropes, kind of getting to his Mm. feet canvas to the point where Jesse Ventura even pointed it out on commentary, which I thought was kind of awkward at the near the end of the match. He said, you know, Vader's having a hard time getting up. He's really he's so, for a man that's so quick on his feet. He's a slow man on the ground, and I'm like, uh, well, yeah, that's kind of odd to point out. Uh, but uh, now that you mention it, it, he does look a little off. Like he looked like he was maybe struggling physically. I don't know a little bit. And to your point, maybe yeah. he was a bigger than normal. Um, and uh, but it's the the best part of commentary in this match to me, I've never related to Vader so much in my life as I did in this match because at one point, comment <laughs> Jesse goes. Uh, Steamboat nailed him right in that midsection, and let's be honest, when it comes to Vader, it's not hard, it's hard not to, it's hard to miss the midsection. (laughs) Same Vader, same. (laughs) And then later on... Steamboat, yeah, had a lot of belly-based offense. A lot of belly-based offense. I call it the King Hippo attack from from (laughs) Punch-Out. You you work on the fat guy's stomach as much as you can. Mm. And then at one point, he, he you know he reaches back to try to get out of a side headlock that Vader had in there, chin lock, and Jesse goes, "That ain't gonna work. There's no hair up there to grab." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, always, always love that moment in in a Vader match where I realize he's lost the the 
mask. Yeah, yes. the mask comes like, off. Like, I feel like I never see it, and then all of a sudden it's gone. Like, you know. Yeah. I, I yeah. feel like that's the point in the Vader match where he really sells that he's in yeah. a fight, you know? Because, like, I feel like if Vader's dominating somebody, he's not going to need to take off the mask. But it's it's once he's had his ass kicked a little bit, that mask will be gone eventually. And then mm-hmm. you, it's like it's like Lawler taking the strap down or whatever. And it's like, okay, now mm-hmm. the fight's on. And uh, and Vader goes Agreed. into that extra, extra mode where he's really trying to put some. He was trying to flatten Steamboat with some of this offense, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it was uh, it, it was it was really good. And I thought that they, in a weird way, if Vader was struggling physically a little bit, I think it actually helped the story of the match because mm-hmm. it was Steam, Steamboat's only chance was to wear Vader out, and almost you see that in the beginning of the match with a little bit of that rope dope that he's doing in the corner, you know. He's waving Vader on, and then he's covering, and Vader's just pounding on him. And then, like, uh, by the end of the match, Vader's huffing and puffing, and Steamboat's still fresh as a daisy. And he's uh, he's wearing his wounds, but he's he's still got energy to come back and, like you said, pick up Vader and hit him with a back suplex. And, um, you know, you get the impression that, hey, Steamboat might have pulled this off if not for that rat bastard Sid coming in and laying him out with the powerbomb. And uh, and that was, by the way, mm-hmm. this, this was a rare finish because Vader didn't have a lot of finishes like this where, you know, another heel would have to come in and help him win a match because he was not he was not presented in, in such a manner. And uh, so that was a big I, I thought I was kind of surprised, actually, at how well they protected Steamboat here in this match. Um, it made me wonder if maybe there was uh, plans to do more down the line with these two. Hmm. Yeah, and it's a shame that they really didn't, other than, I guess, they kept it to TV. But um, mm-hmm. I really do think that, again, I'm not trying to um, oversell it or overhype it, but that uh, that 94 match they have, it's kind of pay-per-view caliber to me. Um, and it's more of a sprint. It's more of a sprint than what this is. Um, this is just kind of an interesting match, I think, to talk about. Uh, just Because mm-hmm. you got all the bullshit with the the human cage and just um, the, the mismatch between the two guys. Um, so I don't regret this match choice by any no. means. And, and I do think it's a good match, but um, it, it would be done better. Let's just put it that way. You, you got, you guys, what, what was the equalizer Dave, Evad Sullivan doing during this match? Did you guys watch him when, whenever um, he the outside and he just stand there with that weird look on his face and like, he, it almost looked like he was like, Gently rubbing the back of a steamboat while the other guys. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I'm I never clear. I, I'm never clear on what the equalizer Evad Sullivan is doing. I, if anything, anytime I see an equalizer match, I think he's almost warming up for his uh, Evad Sullivan gimmick, just with the bizarre mannerisms and, and whatnot. He's, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, like, at first, I was taking um, Vader's trouble moving around. I I was actually thinking that Steamboat looked a little lost in his offense or a little weird in his offense. And then the more I watched it, the more I noticed that it looked to be more of a Vader problem. So, um, it wasn't a problem at all because he was amazing in this match. And he was so fucking good in this match. Um, But... It's just interesting to to pick up on those little things and and watch Steamboat uh, react to him and 
still having to really do what Steamboat does, you know, sell and, and get his ass absolutely kicked. Um, at one point, he, he just kind of, like, wraps his arms around Vader's leg and just holds on to it for a minute. Mm, like, yeah. give me a minute, you know, I'm here. So I thought little touches like that, so good. I love Vader throwing Steamboat just, like, chum out to the lumberjacks. I mean, the human cage on the side, and they just swarm, you know, like sharks, um, to try to, and, you know, Steamboat didn't just look small in comparison to Vader, he looked small in comparison to everybody on that heel team. I, I feel right. like Steamboat had, uh, led, mm, I feel like Steamboat versus, versus 1989 Steamboat had sort of, um, well, he, he seemed like he had shrunk a little bit in the, in the, uh, it did. Proceeding a few years, but like it could, I mean, I couldn't have had any more fun with it if they had actually made a, a human cage, you know, which <laughs> they were going to. Uh, but it, it's a hell of a match, and I'm super interested in, in seeing the their sequel to this one. Yeah, and, and it had Colonel Parker, the original Benoit Blanc. <laughs> yes. Oh God. This. The other thing um, that, you know, what we've talked about with Steamboat throughout all three of these matches, obviously everyone that's a re- longtime wrestling fan knows that Steamboat is known for how great of a seller he is and how great mm-hmm. a babyface. But the one thing each of these matches show is that when he needed to, when he needed to fire up and show some impressive offensive maneuvers, he could always find a way to do that, whether it was lifting Vader up in this match uh, with that. Uh, I think he does a Samoan drop at one point, too, to him or something somewhat similar. And, of course, that DDT off the ropes in the funk match, carrying him around the ring with the body slam, you know, and mm. in the Tully match, hitting him with the slingshot suplex. Look, Steamboat always seemed to vary his offense up with these big moves when he needed to and when the time called for it. I remember when he'd wrestle Rick Root, he'd do those tombstone pile drivers. Um so, you know, that he he's not just a one trick pony. He's not just a uh mm-hmm. a, a seller. He's also somebody that can go in and and bring the fire to somebody like Vader who's as you guys pointed out, I mean, looks twice his size in this match. I would agree with that. I was very surprised with all of the attitude really because bless his heart. And this it's 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 why I do this show so I can learn and rethink things, but all I think about when I think about Steamboat, for the most part, is the terrible promo. Yeah, low so <laughs> promo. For me to watch him do that in the ring, like it's it's great. Like I love learning that about him, and now it changed my opinion of him. Yeah, well, I love it when that happens. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that, that that's the thing because Steamboat's one of those guys that it's it's hard to explain to someone if somebody's asking you that didn't watch then why was Steamboat such a big deal. You can't show them a promo, obviously. You can't you can't show them like a highlight reel of big moves because yeah, he did the flying crossbody and all that, but he wasn't a moves guy. Like he was just mm-hmm. a. It's just a. You have to watch it. If you watch one of his matches, you'll understand it. But you have mm-hmm. to watch. He's a guy you actually have to sit down and watch a match mm-hmm. to really get what made him special. Well, the other thing that made him special at this time in '93 is he comes to the ring with roasted marshmallows. Oh. <laughs> Course. True. Yeah. Can't overlook that. Delicious. That was cool. And yeah, it really does sound good right now. But uh the and, and but and then, you know, that's why much like Vader, nobody can miss my midsection. 
So uh, oh, it, all, it all works out really well. Um, th- this match was a, was a, was a great pick because it's so different from the mm-hmm. well, really all three of these matches are so different, which I think speaks to the greatness of of one Richard Blood. Dick Blood. Dick Blood. Um, did you guys have any honorable mentions? Oh, so many. So many. Well, I figured somebody was going to, well, no, I, I don't know. The player matches, you kind of go, well. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, they all kind of, I will say that um, I had kind of an, a less conventional um, or, or less obvious, uh, I should say, player steamboat match. And that was, again, from uh, Saturday Not- night. I think yep. it was from the uh, May fourteenth ninety four. It was the follow up to their um, spring, spring stampede. stampede match, um, which I I know this may sound blasphemous, but I think that rematch from Saturday night is actually my favorite televised Flair Steamboat match. I'm not saying they haven't done better on like house shows and. Maybe the footage is out there. I don't know. I'm just saying. I think it's as my, far as TV presentations, that is my favorite of all. Incredible. The the Flair Steamboat matches. It's so and it's so much better than Spring Spring Stampede is is half, yep. half the match that that one is. Like they they have the paper read, and then they come out on Saturday night and they completely blow that paper read main event away with that yep. rematch. I, it's one and of my, that's not a bad main event on pay-per-view either. It's just the, the rematch is that much better. And and what hurt what hurt the pay-per-view match was that crowd cheered Flair over Steamboat. And they, mm. they worked the opposite way. And, and on Saturday night, it wasn't that case. It was kind of two, two baby faces, but Steamboat maybe a little bit more more popular as a baby face. And so it worked really, really well. They, they, they Those two guys just couldn't have a bad match with each other anyway. They could have nothing but good matches. But man, that rematch on Saturday night is so freaking awesome! Everybody, yeah. go watch that match if you can. Uh, I know we have already given you at least one other uh, uh, honorable mention match to go watch, but go watch that one too. And honestly, I could run down a list. I had so many honorable mentions for this. There was a uh, Flair or, or Steamboat and uh, Dustin Rhodes versus Arn Anderson and Larry Zbysko from Clash. Oh, yeah, was, return match for uh, was, Steamboat. That's right. The return for Steamboat. One of the great pops. Not Ricky Steamboat. He's just a man. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, that that was that was certainly way 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 up on my list. Uh, Steamboat and Youngblood versus the Briscoe Brothers, the original Briscoe Brothers. From, they um, had some awesome matches. Yep. Yep. From Starcade, the original. And uh, there's just a litany. Of steamboat matches, steamer matches, if you will, that you can go through hindsight and, and and pick out any of the Rick Rude matches. We've already done one of them, but they had a bunch of matches with each other that were all really good. Um, steamboat at the Clash, Austin Stone, uh, Stone Cold, Stunning Steve Austin at the Clash in his last match, uh, his last full time match, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude was just an incredible wrestler against a variety of opponents. You could throw in any number of ta- – any of his Shane Douglas ta- – believe it or not, he had an incredible tag team with Shane Douglas who seems so different as a performer and character than, than Steamboat. They were a great tag team, and they had awesome matches with the Hollywood Blondes, um, among others. And uh, I, I just can't say enough. I, I think Steamboat in his second run in WCW 
at times it was a really bad time for WCW, especially 93, I think was a bad time for WCW as a company, but he was one of the brightest of all bright spots. He was just a, a remarkably consistent wrestler for well over a decade, the better part of two decades. He was just Mr. Consistency. Uh, if you needed a great match, Ricky Steamboat was going to be your guy. Well said. Um, and I'll say as well, if you're looking for more great Ricky Steamboat coverage from this podcast, I have in front of me other matches we've covered. Because you might be thinking, well, why didn't you talk about this match? Why don't you talk about that <laughs> match? And we have. Uh, we talked about Ricky Steamboat versus Lex Luger from the Great American Bash 89. Yep. That was on our Great American Bash-themed episode of Talking WCW. Um, we did, uh, Steamboat versus Lord Steven Regal from, from Fall Brawl, 1996. That was from our Steven Regal episode. We have Steamboat versus Root, which you mentioned, Greg, from, uh, Beach Blast, the 30-minute Iron Man match, uh, Beach Blast 92. That was on our Rick Root episode. Um, and finally, we had, uh, from Russell War, 1992, the War Games match, another match uh, that many <laughs> would consider their favorite from WCW. That was on our War Games, War Games. episode. I believe that is all. So we haven't actually covered any of the Flair Steamboat matches, but, I mean, they're kind of I mean, obvious, yeah. right? What are we going to say? We talked about that, I think, even when we did the Flair episodes. Like, mm-hmm. picking the Steamboat matches is almost cheating because, A, a everybody... Un- has seen them for the most part and B everybody knows they're like among the greatest matches ever of all time, if not the, so obviously Mm -hmm. you haven't for some reason seen these matches, just type in flare steamboat in, in the search thing and watch any of them that come up. You're, you're, you're going to be blown away. I mean, maybe at some point in the future, we could do a dedicated, Flare Steamboat episode where we each have well, to pick one, of, yeah, like one of them. If we if we did the trilogy in '89 and had a debate over which was the best of the three, that might be fun. Mm-hmm. We all have to. We, I mean, three matches, three hosts. I mean, we could do that. Um, a lot of ways we could go just just to get those on here for the sake of talking about them. I mean, I, you know, I don't know that it has to be done, but we're nothing if not creative here on Talking WCW. So also, this is our thirtieth episode. Wow, thirtieth episode! Look at us go. Thirtieth, over seven hundred years. So you know we're doing pretty well. Yeah, this is yeah pretty well. We're on we're on a good we're on a good path right now. I I think we reach uh, we'll reach our sixtieth birthday sometime uh, when we're (laughs) right. No, this at this pace. Yeah, seriously, guys, this is such a fun show, and uh, I love it. Beginning. It's uh, fun. We got. I feel like we've got a fun team, and um, especially to bond over this topic of a uh, an oft maligned organization, an oft maligned uh, territory, and uh, getting to bring a little bit of shine to uh, to it. And I feel like I like to think that maybe our show is responsible for the recent somewhat reverse mm. public opinion on WCW. I feel like maybe I'm crazy. Reverse public opinion. Interesting. No, I, I, I would agree. I We've single-handedly like, turned that around. Yeah, I feel like WCW 
is is the the perception of it is beginning to change the further away we get from it and people have got a lot more nostalgia for some of the mm-hmm. things that that people used to 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 mock WCW for and 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 I think we we're the ones that really have have driven this we've driven the attention to all of the great things that WCW did in addition to the comically bad things and uh and 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 maybe we've shown people uh, something they uh, let's be honest I mean until us I don't think anybody's going to have realized that Ricky Steamboat was a good wrestler <laughs> I mean <laughs> really, who, who else would tell them this <laughs> really blew the lid off of that one we sure did well, breaking news um, uh, Tim, I think you're the one, right? Well, Next here's up. the thing. Um, let's let's do this. So, our last episode before you heard before this one. So that as 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 last implies before first. Um, we did Halloween Havoc. Was that your pick, Jenny? Mm-hmm. It was. Okay, and bef- before that, we did the Great Muta. Was that your pick, Greg? Uh, yes. So that yeah. means I must have picked Steamboat. <laughs> Oh, oh, did. oh, okay, you did. Okay, so and it's forgotten and forgotten. So that means Greg, oh, you're next in the room. Yeah, it's your turn. Look at how oh. that worked out. Oh, well, the, the, we the, did the math. We did the well, math. Give me spreadsheets. Yeah. No, the good I news mean, is I'm woefully geez. unprepared to pick. But let me. Uh, it yeah. would help if I remembered my own picks, but clearly since I don't. Well, when uh, we when we took we took about like a we took the uh, the, the 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 CW Network mid season break. And so we, it's, it's, we took us. a century off. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, we, you could be forgiven for, for the mind fading a little bit on that one. So uh, I guess it, it falls upon me to pick our next uh, our next topic du jour. But luckily, I had a thought earlier on when you mentioned the Great American Bash. You mentioned Halloween Havoc. Mm. You, you mentioned that we, we were talking about Starkey earlier. This is the month of February. And granted, this month will be over the next time that we record. So really, my idea doesn't make any sense at all. But that's never stopped me before, so I'm going to carry through with my idea. Dude. All right. Actually, I'm going to change it. Do nope. it. I was going to do Super Bowl. Okay, breaking. He's changing it. He's I changing his pick here on the fly. I was going to Super Brawl for the month of February, and then I realized it's not going to be February anymore. So okay, so we're going to scratch that, not Super Brawl. For the month of March, we are going to do WCW. Wait for it. Wait for it, Jenny. Uh-oh. Uncensored. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yay! Oh, Yay! what a treat. What a treat. You're the best. Yes. Well, we already watched, like, a bunch of good ones, but I I, I got some more. I was going to say, there's some good representation here from Uncensored already, but, I mean, they did how many of them? The first was... 95. 95, Jenny's favorite show of all time. The best one. And I'm pretty sure, did they do them every year there until the end? Until the end, I think. I don't know if they did one in uh, did they do one in two thousand one? No, they did. They changed it to like greed or something. Or... Right. Unfortunately, they did not call it uncensored greed. They just called it uh, greed. Oh I guess. yeah. That's no, no, I die. I, there, there's, there's all we have to we have to show the people because the, be- the 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 beauty of WCW uncensored is that there are no limits to what you can do. It's going to be the kind of wild matches you just can't see on regular wrestling television. So, oh, right. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's going to be a good episode. I'm excited. It has to be, yeah. Great pick. Oh, All boy. Right. All right. Um, Greg, you got any podcasting news? Anything that you want to plug? 
Sure. No, 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 not not really, not really. If anybody uh, knows a cheap way to buy a home with property, let me know. I will. <laughs> All right. Conrad Thompson might be able to. You know, know, I've heard that. I have indeed heard that, and uh, I'll have to, I'll have to monitor closely the the situation there. I think you have to move to Huntsville if you do that. So. Oh, oh. crap. Well, I got friends in Huntsville. The illustrious Jeremy Reynolds, who may be listening to this show, probably not. But if he <laughs> did, you know, what's up, Jeremy? I could move in with you. There you go. News to him. All right, yes. Tim. What about you? Uh, well, over on our sister podcast network, Place Me Nation Pop, um, we did another kind of special edition of. I don't even know what it's called exactly. Normally, it's it's pop goes to the couch where we, you know, we would review um, the greatest television offerings in the world of pop culture. Well, we did a special edition here recently. Myself, Andy Atherton, and Scott Shiflet running down the recent uh, slate of news coming out of uh, I'm gonna say DC Studios. I guess Warner Brothers and their mm-hmm. new DC slate under. Uh, uh, Tim, uh, Tim Gunn? Um, no. Um, but, but yeah, just, uh, James Are you Gunn. having a stroke? I'm having a stroke right now. Um, and I'm fighting, and I, I'm fighting through it because this has been a week, you guys. Uh, but no, the James Gunn DCU news, in other words, we, we ran down all the latest and greatest, um, what we're looking forward to, what we think might um kind of low-key suck what what might surprise us so might have some uh unusual unexpected takes on that one on place me nation pop so check that out um beyond that i'd say just follow me on twitter i'm at psych 68 cyke 68 on the twitter and i'm getting back into my regular rotation of podcasts as well so there will be more to come in the days ahead. Oh yeah, I'm on Twitter too at gphillips8652. There you go. Um, as for me, I want to talk about real quick the new podcast that just dropped today. It is called GC Dub, a game, a game changing podcast. Am I having a stroke now? God damn it! Thank uh, God I edit these. Stroke. So anyway, this is a podcast focused on DCW, and uh, we just had our first episode. My co-host is Matt Souza, and he's awesome. I'm excited about that show because I'm in love with GCW wrestling, and um excited to talk about it and hoping that that one, you know, kind of opens the doors. I don't know. It might be fun to, like, meet some of those guys. So that would be cool. And that is available on YouTube as well, is it not, Jenny? It is. Um been doing a lot of video podcasting, so on the North South Connecting YouTube channel, you can see um DC Dub, you can see uh, the Green Three Way Dance, which I'm also on going through uh the history of ECW. We're on um hot streak on that show as well. And then um been doing some guest spots on No Holds Bard. Um we've been doing like some drafting and stuff, that's been really fun. You can check that out on video and audio for everything else, too. And then, of course, PTB NXT right here on Place to Be. So, hopefully, back talking some old-ass NXT with uh, Tim and Jake very soon. With you guys, miss doing that show, too. 
Um, it's yep. becoming a, a WCW yep. um, kind of flow as well. So what what uh, um, what year are you got or what uh, year are you guys up to on the NXT show? We're in 2015. I think it's spring or early summer. Somewhere yeah, kind of spring. Yeah, springish. I was gonna say they're building to that. Uh, yeah, we're building to that Sammy Owens uh, rematch. I was gonna say. I, I, I was hoping you would say that because it, 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 those shows are going to be especially uh, uh, timely now with everything's going on in the world of wrestling. So, well, yes, we need to get an episode. We um, planned it that way. Yeah, we did. So you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Jenny Position, and uh, we're we actually have the website now, NorthSouthConnection.com. So all of my shit is on there, and and everybody else. So check it out, and thank you for listening. And we will see you probably in a couple of months. Friday night I like to party hard I carry on with the Cadillac cutie Spend my whole week's pay on some weekend beauty Come Monday morning I'm the first to arrive I ain't nothing but business y'all from nine to five I'm a hard hard working man I got it all on the line for a piece of the promised land Can man.